Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Miss Sweatin' Lady over there. God, I feel like I'm just one oh big God. messy puddle. It is just super, so, super oh hot right oh my now. God. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody on the podcast, like, well, again, we sort of record a week early, so I'm, mm. I'm hoping that by the time this comes out, that Europe will well, have stopped frying all, an egg. Yeah, it's all going to be over by the. Oh, jeez. In fact, by the end of the week, it's supposed to be raining. So, are you serious? And we oh. are officially in a drought because it hasn't rained um, oh. for so long. Jeez. Um, but yeah, apparently by Friday, it's going to tip it down. Oh, frig. Wow. Yeah. And I'll be wishing I was frying alive again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, Gosh. I have to say, though, it was an absolute, even though kind of the, the heat has been slightly unbearable, it was just an absolutely lovely weekend. Ah. Just full of nice things, um, catching up with some friends, enjoying swimming, <gasps> yoga. Oh. I went for lunch with my daughter, rare occurrence. Oh, um, she graced you with was, her yeah, presence. It was just a, <laughs> she did, yeah. Um, it was just a really nice, really nice weekend. Oh, gorgeous. So, yeah. Yeah. I even briefly saw my son. He oh. showed his face in oh. daylight. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That doesn't happen with teenagers. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so, how funny. was your weekend? Oh, you know, similarly, there was like free yoga in the park, went there with my dog. Oh, nice. There was, yeah, I swam in Lake Ontario with this gorgeous, just, just warm enough, but very mm. refreshing at yeah. sunset on this lovely oh, beach beautiful. oh my gosh just so many amazing things yeah mm. thursday i paddled with some folks uh, like just freaking awesome like so yeah. awesome I've, I've had girly hangs farmers markets you know girly dinner last night oh my god it's just been so ridiculously good oh so nice <laughs> i know nice. i know yeah yeah it's nice and things work out like that isn't oh it? my gosh i tell you yeah. yeah like it's just oh it just feels great to be alive it's so weird yeah and I'm grateful for simple pleasures because I really have sort of yeah. leaned into the sort of less is more in life kind of thing. Yeah. And um, just the simplest tiny things of like mm. getting into a little bathing suit and just the little pebble beach with my dog yeah. there, you know, lying out a blanket and just getting mm. out for a dip. And I think, God, this makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's people with big motorboats like sailing around and I'm like, man, poor little schmoes they're like with their big like $300,000 boats like here I am taking a dip and I am the happiest of everybody <laughs> and it cost me zero dollars it was awesome yeah oh well it's good to work out what makes you happy right and then do more of it ah uh, you've got it absolutely mm, yeah all right miss overheated lady what's going on at the relationship desk of love so well today's relationship desk of love is more of a kind of sadder note but equally I think it's something that's important to share mm. um so we've talked a few times on the podcast about abusive relationships mm. and I found an article which is talking about seven signs that you are in an abusive relationship mm. mm -hmm. so this might not be relevant to kind of um you know all the listeners but it might be that you spot something that then helps a friend who mm. is in a tricky situation so I just thought it was quite quite a useful thing to share so that we can all be 
kind of a bit more observant about it and and we can um you know help others that are, are in that situation or if indeed you yourself are then um maybe this will give you kind of some signs that you might recognize mm, nice. so it says one in three women worldwide have experienced some form of physical violence by their intimate partner mm-hmm. it's quite a lot that isn't it one in three yeah yeah that's true and it says in england and wales two women are killed by their current partner or former partner every week wow that's two people that's just wow. astonishing isn't it yeah absolutely so uh, there's some really kind of sad shocking um statistics there so it goes on to kind of say well how do you identify what are some of the signs that you want to look for so the first one is abusive relationships are often begin with a pattern of control mm. So if you start to kind of notice some of those control things coming in, um, then that's maybe a bit of a red flag there. So it could be things like, um, you know, saying when you can and can't use a, a mobile telephone, seeing kind of where where you can work, where you can't work, trying to, to suggest that you give up work so that you then become more dependent on your partner. Financial so there can be control. kind of yeah mm-hmm. so there can be lots of kind of ways it might be about kind of you know how things are at home or um you know things that may seem simple at the time however then you know when you look back that that's often the kind of start of it mm-hmm. um the second point is around jealousy is a telltale sign of an abusive relationship mm-hmm. so it says um whether he is jealous of your friends your job your social life um whatever it is then that's again is kind of a bit of a red flag now it says he i think we'll have to acknowledge as well that it's not just males that Mm. um that are the abusers you can get you know female it does happen the other way around as well Mm -hmm. so it's important to to recognize that as well it's Mm -hmm. not just one-sided um an abuser will make you feel the abuse is your fault Mm. so that turning the tables to make you feel like you're the one that's kind of causing it you're the you're Mm. triggering something therefore it must be your fault Mm -hmm. um and then we've got in an abusive relationship a partner often uses playful in exclamation marks force during sex Mm. so it's kind of it's not really it's not really fun and and in that situation unless it's consensual on both sides then that is you know definitely abuse and there's something that you know needs to be addressed there We've got unrealistic expectations emerge quickly in an abusive relationship. So this having this kind of high bar about how things should be. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, I think does that kind of fit in with some of that control side as well? Right. Around kind of really controlling the direction of the relationship. Yeah. An abusive partner will make threats if you leave. So this whole kind of wow. part of their control, obviously, in the the abuse can only happen if you're physically there present so mm-hmm. of course if you decide that you, if you say that you're going to leave then often they can say that they're going to kill themselves or their partners or the dog you know the pet they'll make some children. sort of threat mm-hmm. yeah children yeah mm-hmm. um about what they're you know what action they're going to take to try and keep you in that situation mm-hmm. And then finally, it says abusers are often Jekyll and Hyde, have a Jekyll and Hyde personality. So this is where they're very kind of up and down, like one minute they're super loving, um, the showering love gifts. Bobbing. Love bombing, yeah. Yep. Love bombing, yeah. Um, and then the next minute, obviously, they switch into this kind of darker character that is then kind of carrying out the abusive behavior. Mm-hmm. 
So it, it does say at the end, you know, if you are, um, if you're really struggling and you're in this situation, then obviously you try and get some help, get some support. And it references in the article women's aid. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. just a UK thing because this is a UK article. And it says that it's got a new instant messaging service. Um, so I'll put some links in the show notes oh, and yes. um, so people can look those up. But a quick Google search will find whatever support is in your area as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that if you are in this situation none of it is your fault you you you're not the one that's causing any of this mm-hmm. and it's about how do you try and make yourself safe as quickly as possible right I think yeah. the other thing too is that when you're supporting somebody a friend or yes. a sibling who's going through this mm. is that this is not something that people leave it's hard to leave it's hard yes, to really hard yeah right and so oftentimes just providing support and an open ear even if somebody yeah. kind of goes back into their turtle shell and because it can be really frustrating sort of seeing it may seem very obvious to you that you need to leave and how to leave but it's not obvious for somebody whose self-confidence and esteem has been shattered and crushed down and who has very little threat literal threats against their life and their lives of their kids yeah 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 Yeah. and often through that control they take away kind of any of your independence and freedom Mm -hmm. to try and kind of cut you off from the rest of the world so it makes it feel like it's impossible I completely understand why you are in that situation you're going to struggle um so yeah if if you are in that situation try and get some help even if it's just having a conversation with somebody Mm -hmm. um because that's the starting position is just to have a chat and to realize that some of the things that are going on aren't, aren't normal behavior yeah absolutely yeah you got it so yeah awesome. quite a sobering message yeah. there this week but i think it's important to talk about these things yeah yeah, yeah. that's so true absolutely mm. thanks yeah. sarah that's yeah very very essential yeah. information so would you like a hot topic now yes let's go and get okay. get hotter than we already are to when the guy can get any hotter <laughs> <laughs> Today's hot topic, we're going to discuss the differences between toxic positivity and optimism. Ah, yes. Okay. So I've seen loads recently about toxic positivity Mm. um, and just how it's got some, the intention is there to be for things to be good and things to be right. However, it's like anything taken to an extreme has then a detrimental effect Mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're seeing with with toxic positivity Mm -hmm. so there's this all of this um the views around kind of changing your mindset reframing let's think about things positively let's Mm. um you know be grateful for the things that we've got let's practice gratitude and all those things are really good Mm -hmm. however if it's goes too far and and you can't acknowledge any sort of negative emotions and you can't mm. you're pushing them away that's when it starts to turn into that toxic positivity yeah totally and that's like all around us it's just so overwhelming instagram yeah. and goop yeah. and um and just it, and it really shames people thinking like if only you had a positive mindset your life would be great you wouldn't have yes. any issues like and it's it's shaming people for if you're experiencing difficult emotions it's it's your fault yeah. you yeah. can think yeah, you're yeah, yeah. you're positive you can sort of positive bomb your life into sort of eliminating any untoward emotions which is yeah. horrifying yeah 
And all emotions, negative or positive, are good. They're good emotions. Yeah. They're telling you something about your life. Yeah. And the fact that we're not able to, you know, we're being brainwashed into mm-hmm. not dealing with emotions that come our way um, doesn't really help us in the long run because we're not able to identify what's going on we're not getting below the surface to work out what's happening Mm -hmm. and therefore we're never dealing with whatever the challenge is and you know like with anything the universe will just keep presenting you something else you need to learn time and time again until you learn it Mm -hmm. so that will just come back at you and being you know in a relationship if you're if you feel like you're being forced to be happy all the time and not talk about Mm -hmm. the times when you're having you know you're feeling a bit down or you know, you're feeling a bit frustrated. Anna and I had a conversation just before we came on this podcast where I said I was feeling really grumpy. Um, I was feeling frustrated with lots of people. Lots of people were annoying me. Mm. And it's probably linked to the heat, lack oh. of sleep, you know, seagulls, that baby seagulls that like to wake me up at four o'clock oh in the morning. God. All of those things are going to mean oh. that I'm not happy all of the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, look, today I'm feeling in a bit of a funk. And I don't really want to be happy. I don't even want to think about what I'm grateful for because today it's just not one of those days. Absolutely. Do that again tomorrow. <laughs> You've got it. And and so often, and you know, we hear somebody say, today is not a fun day in my brain. Yeah. And uh, so often we have discomfort with that. So yeah, we dismiss absolutely. it. Yes. And therefore we respond to people with a complete lack of empathy because of our own yeah. discomfort. We want to smooth a paved road yeah. over something that feels messy to us. So if yes, somebody yeah. loses their grandmother, we'll say, oh, everything works out for a reason. Or, yeah. oh, I'm getting divorced. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll you'll yeah, find yeah, somebody yeah. new. Uh, I'll yeah. get you dating. You know, it's again, yeah. it's rushing people through. Yeah. And it's so harmful. And not only yeah. does it sort of create fractures in a relationship, but it'll also make people feel like they can't have conversations with people, else they'll just be shut down. Yeah. Well, it makes you feel like you're not worthy of being heard, right? Uh, so, And yeah. we know that when we feel like that, that then dents our self-esteem and yeah. our self-worth because we think, well, hang on a minute, why can't, you know, what? Why can't you give me time to listen to me in terms of what's going on? Where's my space? I think it also creates disconnection. Yeah. And I think we can feel like somebody's just being, um, they're not interested, they're, mm. dis, you know, they're disingenuous. It's kind of, it, so it creates this disconnection then because you feel like, um, well, actually, you don't really care mm. because mm-hmm. if you did, you would, you know, you would listen, you would acknowledge that I've got this coming up for me. Mm. Um, you wouldn't just try and kind of, you know, step over it and move on to something else. Totally. Gosh. I was having a conversation with somebody recently and um, I was sharing something. And then halfway through me kind of sharing it, they um, got distracted by something and started talking about something <gasps> completely frivolous in my mind anyway. Oh. And the feeling during that conversation of, I've just told you something that's like really super big and important. And now you're talking about this was like really, really hurtful. And how did you respond? I just stayed quiet. Oh, yeah. In that scenario, what might be a brave reframe or communication to somebody like that to inform you of what their behavior made you feel well you can it's a choice isn't it whether you share back 
about kind of where you're at. I made a choice in that situation. It was an active choice to kind of say nothing. I just acknowledged it in my own mind and thought, okay, that's fine. Um, There may be a reason why there was then this kind of switch. Who knows? Um, But you've you've always got a choice as to how you respond. Um, And for me, that was an active choice not to. Maybe because you didn't feel trust or that, you know, because to, to bring up something like, hey, sort of getting back to where what we were talking about before, I, I do actually feel like you kind of skipped over something that was really important and that really felt hurtful and invalidating. Mm. Mm. Would it be okay if I shared more about how I was feeling in that? But to share that with a friend is a real big test of a relationship yeah. You're really relying upon somebody to be gentle with you and to be not defensive, but to actually own it and to say, oh my gosh, mm. yeah, that actually was my discomfort. I'm very sorry that I did that. Let's sort of, let's kind of open up the mic mm. to you again or yeah. or something to that extent. But, you know, sometimes we realize that we don't trust somebody to be graceful and validating in that moment. And sometimes it's not that, you know, in that moment, it's kind of like, well, that might, you know, that moment will pass. Is it worth um, kind of holding on to it? Or, mm. and I wouldn't have even thought about it had we not been having this conversation. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of an example. But mm-hmm. um, so you, it's about weighing up exactly where you're at. How do you feel about it? And then making a decision. I think as long as you're making a decision that you are comfortable with and is out of choice, mm-hmm. um, not for any other reason, then I think it's whatever... Um, path you choose is fine. I agree. It, it's so it's so funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, there is something that happened this weekend that I didn't think about until now, which is <laughs> I have these regular conversations with a friend and what I'm noticing is it's a very one-sided thing. We have conversations mm. when they are in some sort of crisis or they want to talk. And I've noticed yeah. that when I'm going through like mm. something that feels very repetitive to them, like... Yes. I feel like they've shut me down like, oh, Mm. well, you're making a bad choice or you're always doing this or they're seeing, you know, and they completely invalidated the fact that, yeah, okay, so I keep making the same mistake, but it's relevant to me. So I feel shut down and I'm noticing that I've kind of entered this space of inauthenticity with this friendship Mm. where I kind of just laid, I, number one, I dread talking to them. Number two, um, I kind of just sort of let them sort of natter on about whatever they're doing. And then I just kind of gray rock them where I just kind of like yeah okay and I just I don't really mm. engage and I don't share yeah but I'm kind of wasting my own time now I and, and I, I need to start to be able to circle back and say you know what when I share things that may feel uncomfortable like a neg- like uncomfortable emotions right mm. I, I'd like to be able to share them and not feel invalidated or or not feel like you know and so same thing like this toxic yeah. positivity is Mm. making me check out of a relationship and to check back in, I would need to have a very difficult conversation to say, when you do this, I feel completely shut down. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if I want to have this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You're always in choice. (laughs) Yeah. But But oh my gosh. Yeah. But it does really demonstrate though, doesn't it? Exactly what we're doing when we're in that mode. And I think on the flip side, the person who's who's in that mode, I don't think they're deliberately trying to shut you down or cut you off exactly. or anything. I yes. think it's just we are being brainwashed by society that we should be, you know, 
enjoying life and making the most of it and looking on the positive bright side da, 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 singing and dancing down the street you know we are kind of I think that that's there all the time and it yeah. it does make you feel like it's all about us it's all about our mindset and if we could just get that right everything will be great so therefore as you said as you said earlier we're the ones that are at fault here mm-hmm. um so I think you know it is there it's it's in the air and we're all being yeah. brainwashed by it <laughs> you're right there's this lovely article that on the same vein um by UW uh, University of Washington Medicine there's a, a fabulous article um which basically sort of interviews this psychologist Tabitha Kirkland um I think that's her name yeah uh, Tabitha Kirkland and you know one of the parts of this article is like whether in the moment or after the fact, if you realize you've dismissed a loved one's negative emotions or cut them Mm. off with toxic positivity, when they were just trying to confide in you, you can actually own up to the mistake and apologize because we all make mistakes. (laughs) Don't get down on yourself. But if if you're listening to this, and you're like, Oh, crap, (laughs) I have invalidated that that was me. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I've done that too. 100%. (laughs) It's just, you know, best thing you can do. Same as right, like same as if you use a wrong pronoun, or if you use some like if we're um, trying to be um, like, attentive to the oppression of uh, trans individuals is, you know, again, just recognize it, ask your person, how can you respond better next time? How can I do better by you next time? Yeah, totally simple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a bit then about optimism and how oh. that's different than to yeah. um, to toxic positivity. Yeah, it comes from a real space of authenticity, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think with optimism, it's more around the that hopefulness, but it's hopefulness with some you know that's been steeped in reality as well. So you're not, you know, with toxic positivity, it's kind of like everything's well all is well even when nothing is well um but optimism is more about you know I'm hopeful that things will get better I'm you know Mm -hmm. I I recognize that I'm in this situation right now but I know that it won't last forever this is just what I'm going through this is just the challenge that I'm facing right now yeah so there's more kind of realism and hope mixed together in that absolutely it feels like like if I'm if I am Optimist, if I am with a friend or a family member, um, I feel like optimism feels like this. So they're sharing something, they're having mm. hard emotions. Yes. And they're and they feel that there it's a it's a place where they can actually share and have a moment, have the moment that they need to be able to acknowledge mm. and validate those emotions and see what's coming up for them. That everything is valid, that the emotions coming up for them right now are neither good nor bad. They just are who what they are. And then I imagine there to be a place where we say, well, this is super hard. It makes perfect sense that you're feeling the way you do. Mm. And then that optimism says, you know, and despite everything that you are dealing with, however hard it is, I have full faith in you. I have full faith in your ability to, to endure, your ability mm. to press on, your ability to make the choices and the decisions that you need to. Yeah, And I know that despite how hard it is, I know that you can do this. Yeah. I know that you can get to a place where you want to get to. And that feels so much better, doesn't it? Than, you know, oh, well, let's look on the bright side or, um, you know, let's oh, yeah. count your blessings. Oh, God. 
<laughs> isn't that terrible? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. isn't terrible, yes. Yeah. So it feels so much better, doesn't it? It doesn't feel yeah. like I'm being shut down. It feels like actually you understand what I'm going through. Yeah. And um and also you believe in me, you believe in my abilities yeah. to be able to endure this for the time that I need to. You've got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm optimistic that the vacuuming that has just started outside of my apartment <laughs> will one day end. And I, I know that I can press that on too. on this podcast recording despite <laughs> the vacuum and it's all good. I also trust that people are going to be okay with, um, you know, <laughs> with a little bit yeah, of vacuum, with a little vacuuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think one of the things is that when somebody is sharing optimism with you, they are sharing their that they inherently believe in you, but they're not hastening you to solutions or to no. a solution oriented mindset. And they're not giving you advice either because no. they trust that, um, maybe there might be an invitation to say, did you want to sort of chat about what you're, what you're thinking about in terms of various yeah. options? Or did you want me to just be in the space with you and get under the covers with a bucket of Ben and Jerry's and, and just yeah. have a, you know, one of the best questions you can ask is how can I support you right now? Yeah. What do you need from me? Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, two key questions to ask somebody who is facing challenges yeah. rather than trying to, you know, scoop them up into happy land. Yeah. Um, you know, the best thing that you can do is to ask, like, what do you need most right now? You've got And it. that might be, I need you to go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Which is frequently the response I get from my teenagers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard then to kind of walk away and to leave things be, but you've got to trust in that moment, yeah. you know, that that you are doing the right thing and you've yeah. you've listened and you've asked them what they wanted, you've listened, and then you go and do exactly what they've asked you to. And they'll Which doesn't yeah. feel right in the moment, uh, but it is the right thing. Wow, yeah. Yeah. That's I guess the difference between toxic positivity and optimism is in toxic positivity, you're, you're centering yourself and your emotional challenges with whatever you're with somebody else's emotions. And then in optimism, you're centering the person who, who is, who should be at the center of the conversation. Yeah. You're making yourself of service. Yes. But it is a very big thing where if somebody cries in front of you, you don't rush to, to hand them a tissue. Yeah. You yeah. sit with them and you allow the emotion to come up. I don't know about you. Emotion frequently comes up in coaching sessions. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, of course it does. Of course. Because you're dealing with some stuff that's, that you know, a lot of time people aren't talking to anybody else about yeah. this. This is the first time that they've done it. Yeah. And people can have really raw emotions. I mean, God, when we did our training, I don't know if your if yours was the same, but there was at least somebody crying on a daily basis. Yeah, totally. totally. And a few times I was one of those people. Yes. Yes. So that's just the way it is, right? Well, and, and just like, because emotions, they, they teach us something. They tell us about what's going on. Just mm. before we got on, got on air, I had a coaching session. All of a sudden, somebody who who is always, always in their own head. They're always in their own head. And all of a sudden a question kind of hits them and they start crying. And mm. what we realize then is that's where, cause they're trying to kind of work themselves out of a box of restlessness and a discontent that doesn't logically make sense to them. But mm. what they realize is they're not listening to their heart and their gut. Yes, and that yeah. emotion, it felt like we tapped into an oil well where all of yeah, a sudden yeah. and we're like, oh, see, that's interesting. What came up for you just then? Yeah. So if we can use emotion as a teacher, as a guide. 
Absolutely, yeah. It can really call us to what needs to be investigated. Yeah, that's what it's there for. There is a little, this article, uh, which features this Tabitha Kirkland says, she says, when you have the sweet, it's a contrast to the sour, and you can really Mm. appreciate it. So it means that like the negative, the positive, or at least we we label these negative and positive, but really it's just Mm. sweet and sour emotions and you need all of them to make a really good sauce. You do indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Well, that's food for thought this week. Yeah. That's got me thinking. It does. Mm. Uh, And that's, again, it kind of links into the relationship news because I venture to say something possibly inflammatory is that sometimes toxic positivity can be a way of shutting down people who are actually in situations that are abusive and neglectful and manipulative, Mm. where they're experiencing emotions, which may actually be these warning flares. Like I think something's going wrong when somebody invalidates and says, oh, there'll be a better day tomorrow or, oh, just stick it out. Mm. That could, you could actually be paving over somebody's cry for help. Yeah. 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 Need to tune in. You've got it. Mm. and maybe remove ourselves from the center of the narrative and <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 all right oh okay should we do a question before yes. i completely melt yes indeed indeed you the got worst it. thing about recording a podcast in this level of heat is having to keep the door shut <laughs> right <laughs> to let the seagulls out oh yeah. indeed okay This week's question. I'm getting cold feet about my relationship with my partner now that he has taken an interest in planning our future together. I'm 23 years old and my partner is three years older than me. All right. (laughs) So it's quite, I think this, this happens quite a lot. I think it's quite a normal thing to start a relationship, be full of enthusiasm, um, really kind of decide that you want, you know, to be the person that's pushing for the future and for things to change and be different and move to kind of the next level. And then we kind of then maybe settle into things a bit or realize we're not going to get what we want. And then the tables flip. So then the other partner then says, oh, actually, maybe I need to start to think about this. So they then start mm. to think about it. And the first partner then kind of freaks out a bit. Actually, you know, it's funny because I I took the same thing from the question because like they've taken an interest now in planning our future. It does feel like that was not always the case. Yes. You're so right in that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they bring up an age difference. Yeah. How might that be relevant? Do you think? Why do you think they bring that up? Well, I think often three years though isn't that big a deal, although... At 23. In your early 20s it is. Yeah. Hell like yeah. you're still quite young then, aren't you? So at 23, to then be kind of planning the future, it doesn't say what they're planning. Um, yeah. You know, is it moving in together? Is it their first house? Is it getting married? You know, how are they yeah. planning the, the future together? Um, what is it that they're kind of moving on to? Mm-hmm. But yeah, 23 is quite young, I would say. Although I was 22 when I got married. But then right. look how that ended. <laughs> <laughs> two beautiful children there you go there you go but it, it, that's how it ended absolutely i you know what is interesting is that i don't yeah when we look back in our early 20s we realize we thought we were mature but like yeah i'm gonna have to say i do not hold the same values that i did even though i looked mature and grown up yeah i wasn't uh so 
oftentimes people get swept up into planning because of this mm. whole sort of conveyor belt of that social yeah. media has made even worse where yeah. it's sort of like this conveyor belt of life that you're supposed to yeah. do these certain milestones in a certain order and yeah. by a certain time. And what I'm hearing this person saying is I would like the convey to step off for a second, stop the madness, mm. not get swept up into this and to be able to start to make some hard, take some hard looks at, yeah. what I would like and what I'm ready for. And if I don't feel ready, um, how do I put the brakes on so that yeah. I can introspect mm. and live? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is normal to have kind of a wobble though as well. So I think it depends on to what degree mm-hmm. this wobble is, you know, is it a, you know, just a little stumble or is it a full blown kind of, you know, wind that's kind of you know crashing around where you're Mm. just really uncertain and you've got lots of doubts and thoughts and Mm -hmm. swimming through your head so I think it's important to understand kind of the scale of the discomfort Mm. so where is it kind of Mm. you know sometimes we can kind of we can also get caught up in the kind of melodrama of drama right Mm. so is you know are we trying to create Mm. some drama is a bit of a diversionary tactic or Mm -hmm. you know is there something else that's behind it all Oh, that's actually a great point. I will be oppositional, though, and say, if you're 23, I would actually pay more attention to the wobble than Mm. if I were 33. Because there comes a time where you find yourself, you have a pattern of getting freaked out when anybody Mm. suggests commitment. Yes. Um, And that's where you might be just creating a bit of a drama person. Um, Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But at 23, I would sort of more err on the side of, yeah, this is probably a signal to like go out and live a bit more and find yourself personally. Well, there's obviously something happening. Um, but whether she, I mean, we haven't got enough information to kind of see whether mm-hmm. she should leave or not leave or carry on doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's definitely a sign. It's a signal. So going back to talking about emotions and and having facing challenges but you know the best thing to do is to have that conversation which says look I think it's brilliant that you're now really super interested in this um I'm starting to feel like um you know I'm starting to feel a bit nervous about this I'm you know I'm starting to question is this the right thing you know this doesn't mean that I don't love you but this is like a really strong emotion that's coming up for me and you can have a conversation you might actually find out that your partner's having the same worries as well and neither of you are being open and discussing it and therefore you're just both kind of you know in a toxic positive way you're squashing it all and not dealing with it oh that's a huge possibility is that their partner might have kind of come online because they thought they were expected to like do the and the other thing too is we have so many interpretation. So what if this person is wanting mm. to go to grad school, right? But they yeah. they kind of had this um limiting belief or sort of interpretation that they were or assumption, assumption yeah. that if they were to then take a more serious track with their relationship that somehow they weren't able to go away to grad school. Let's say they were living yeah. in France but they thought, "Oh, I really want to go to Japan and do this like special pro- yeah. program," right? Um mm. What what if they were to sort of share these and air these with their partner and their partner be like, no, 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 I mean, so what? We can do like a year and a half long distance. Yeah. yeah. What could be, you know, does it mean that doors have to close? Mm. If you sort of, is it limited possibilities and limited options yeah. if you uh, commit to each other? It doesn't have to yeah. be. 
Yeah. So this might be yeah. the the time for the blank canvas. So oftentimes at this juncture, we have sort of some idea of what we want to passions and interests and goals and dreams mm. on a personal level. And then when that sort of narrative of the us, the together starts to yes. sort of come online, we then have this feeling that it's either us or like us as an individual or the relationship and we can't have both. So this is where you know, what did I, what do I want to accomplish in the next five years mm. of my life? Like start yeah. putting some color down on your blank canvas. So you're not just thinking about the relationship or you're not seeing a dead end for yourself. Yeah. But as we, you know, the strongest relationships are the ones where you can have, you can have your life and you can have your relationship life. So you've got this interdependence. We can operate freely but within a relationship that's supportive and encouraging yeah and that's the gold dust that's the combination that you're looking for mm-hmm. um you know you've got your golden ticket when you when you can make it to there I think some of the challenges might be maybe there's you know a bit of kind of avoidant pattern coming in here because mm-hmm. when we feel like we're in a secure relationship so if we feel like we've got a secure attachment style we'd be open to be able to share any of this mm. whether that is kind of you know hopes and dreams for the future where you may feel like there's a an assumption that something's going to be limited because of the steps that you're taking being able to air all of that is um you know that's where you want to be in feeling like you've got this secure relationship where you can express all of that yeah totally there's the avoidant there's the anxious right so if somebody starts expressing and i i'm the anxious attachment style person so if my partner starts talking about a dream that i don't hear myself in i get super threatened yeah 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 yeah. oh my god so i gotta like what about me right i gotta stand (laughs) myself down and 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 that's where my relationship journey has gone where increasingly Mm. the us involves individual differentiation and and I've had to challenge my anxious attachment style weirdly as I keep pushing my growth edge on standing down on my attachment style I get to have more of myself because the more permission that I can give my partner to be himself I get to be more of myself yeah and that's where we start to, you know, there's more and more people who are married living separately and yeah. doing weird stuff like that. I'm not still necessarily sure that that's like the long-term solution, but <laughs> it's curious what's possible if you sort of let out, like let the leash out a little bit yeah. on well, each other. Well, anything's possible. It's for your, your life is for your making, not for other people to decide and dictate what happens. So, yeah. and and this is why, and especially 23, right? Like you want to really start to kind of, be having putting into practice having conversations because Mm -hmm. the the earlier you can do it the happier your life will be um often we kind of waste all of that opportunity by you know not expressing who we are and having some of those tough conversations we can waste a good kind of 10 20 years right yes (laughs) and end up stuck in a relationship that's not right for us or we're not growing together or we don't understand each other um or we tolerate things that we shouldn't be so you know there's all kinds of ways that it shows up in your relationship so at 23 you know really kind of get your big girl pants on and Mm. start to have some of these difficult conversations because you'll find on the other side of it is like the beautiful moments where you can really truly understand each other and you can support each other in the things that you want to do and and that feels great yes oh yeah 
This raises, um, so there's a book that I have become aware of that I'm, uh, anger is, I should probably just read it. There's apparently the sex therapist, Terry Reed. There's a new book called Us, which tries to take us out of this individual focused sort of mindset that we have. Like, um, my individual purpose or need isn't being met in my relationship. Therefore, I'm just going to like leave because, Mm. and he's trying to sort of bring people into this relational framework. What's good for us? Mm-hmm. And that sticks in the, in the weird part of my throat because I'm like, ah, but like, again, I, I just, I do feel like we, we do need to have more of, you know, who am I and who will I continue to be? And so I'm, I'm resisting reading this book. So I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't <laughs> like the thought of somebody trying to force me or my clients into this sort of relational kind of let down your own individual dreams so that you can kind of make the us work kind of pisses me off but anyways I should probably just read the book (laughs) I think it depends on the context that Mm. that the whole thing is saying and what is the real kind of true message because I don't think you can be 100% selfish in a relationship either we can't just say look this is uh, this is my life this is the way I'm going and if you don't like that then that's tough you know it's that that doesn't work either so we've got to have things that are individual goals and dreams and and we've got to support each other in that so be supportive but we should also have some common things as well that are in alignment yes and we agree on so um because then that makes you know makes things so much easier yeah you've got it ah Mm. yes this is a this is a hard one to be 23 again though right oh my god i tell you my skin i remember how like fabulous it was (laughs) totally totally yeah i think there's no reason why things can't work out at a young age um but i think it is about being a bit more um taking a bit more of a driver's seat in your relationship and what you want and understanding yeah you know who you are and i think that's that's some of the hardest things at 23 totally yeah Another thing too here is that could work out. The other thing too is just give yourself some grace. Like you can try it out. Yeah. You can see if it works. Yeah. You know, we, we can only do the best with what, with, with what we have. So we, we, yeah. we make the best decisions based on the information we have at hand. Yeah. So put yourself in the driver's seat, ask a few questions, try to make a decision based on opportunity, not fear. Mm. And then you just do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. So all any of us have got. <laughs> yeah. Divorce is not the worst thing in the world. It's, you yeah. know, right? Happens to 50% of people. It happens to 50% of people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So long as we're moving forward in the way that we're learning about ourselves, learning about the world, yeah. engaging with other people, and just letting ourselves, um, you know, live with our hearts, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful message. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we just need to get a massive air conditioner and just place it right in front of you and uh, just get some. I've never been this warm, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go and take a nice cold shower, I think, Yo. and just, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, try and cool down a bit. You've got it. Because it's unbearable. Oh, geez. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. I think I need to stop this <laughs> podcast recording immediately and get you out to that cold shower. <laughs> Yeah, I need to open the door as well because I am suffocating in Oh, here. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding, absolutely. All right, my dear. Oh, well, it's been fun as ever. Thank you. Yes. And um, yeah, till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. 
If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.